Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,525. It's amazing what you can accomplish if you do not care who gets the credit. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. I'm a revved up and so excited to share with you today a very special guest calling you from East Granby, Connecticut, Mark Stone. Mark Stone is Director of Business Development for Evans Cooling Systems. Evans develops, manufactures, and sells waterless coolant for all kinds of combustion engines, and they work with some of the biggest automotive companies and names in auto racing. Their products solve cooling problems, reduce maintenance costs, and can reduce fuel consumption and emissions, and they eliminate the need for disposal of harmful contaminants. Mark has been active recently in the area engine cooling system optimization and currently is an active member of the ASTM, the Society of Automotive Engineers. His international experience includes programs and business development activities in Australia, Japan, Singapore, Philippines, India, South Africa, and the UK. And for regular listeners, you'll recall that John Light, who is the Evans Power Sports Division Director for the company, was a past guest here on Cars yeah, and you can find his show on the Cars yeah website. We'll be back in a minute to talk to Mark, but first a word from our valued sponsors who make Cars yeah possible. Hey Cars yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom-tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim-weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you a Cars subscriber? If you're not, go to Cars click on the free book button, and I'll send you my free filler up book. It's a very cool book I created of fuel filler fun, some very cool imagery, and great quotes from past guests here on Cars Plus, you'll get my weekly email follow-up and my weekly blog. Just go to Cars click on the free book button, and I'll send it to you right away. Thanks for subscribing. Hey, Mark, welcome to Cars Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Well, thanks for having me, Mark. I have my G4 suit on, and I'm ready to ready for a drive. All right. I'll try to keep it between the guardrails and keep us out of trouble here. Before I jump into some of the questions I have for you and, and the business at Evans Cooling there, what's maybe one thing that people don't know about you? Um, I'm a closet iron chef. And so I don't have a lot of talent, Mark, but the one talent I, I've seemed to possess since I was a, a young kid is I know my way around the kitchen. And so I, I love cooking. What can I say? 
You know, this is pretty cool because uh, my wife and I kind of share cooking duties and I wish I knew more about cooking. I guess I could if I just took the time to do it. But that television show, Iron Chef, what I find most fascinating about that is the chef's abilities. I know it's a TV show, so there's probably some secret scripting going on. But the fact that chefs can get some ingredients tossed at them and just create these wonderful dishes. Now, I have to ask you if you're a self-acclaimed Iron Chef. Have you ever done that to yourself? Just open the refrigerator and gone, okay, one, two, three, four, five. I'm going to make a meal out of this. Are you one of those people that could do that? Uh, I have to say I am, and and probably out of necessity. When I was a, a very young kid, my mom was a single mom and was working quite a bit. And so, you know, I was, in many ways, I was left to my own devices in terms of feeding myself. And, you know, you uh-huh. had to be creative in the kitchen. And so I would find things in the refrigerator. Yeah. So that skill set uh, I still use today. And, uh, you know, it served me well. Yeah, I find I find it fascinating. I try to be innovative, but I usually end up, as my wife says, gilding the lily. I put a little too much stuff on everything. I need to go back to the Mies van der Rohe less is more concept when it comes to cooking because, uh, uh, yeah, sometimes she'll take a bite and I'll look at her and she's being very nice, but you can tell she's thinking, what on earth is in this? So uh, My mom was a terrible cook. I hope she's not listening to this, but, uh, you know, that probably – led me to to find uh, my way around the kitchen because when she did cook, it uh, <laughs> it wasn't the best. Well, she was working hard at doing other things to take care of you. So there's there's where the focus was. That's exactly Which is what mom, yeah, they're more important. moms are. Absolutely. Well, listen, as we continue on this journey we call your life, I want you to share a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that has meaning for you. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So, Mark, grab the wheel. Well, I'm going to kind of paraphrase this, but uh, there's a quote that it, that I attach to most of my emails, and I had found it somewhere online. It's not, it, it's actually Harry Truman uh, had said this, and it's basically, it's amazing what you can accomplish if you do not care who gets the credit. And I ah. and I had an old friend of mine who always used to correct me and said, Mark, it's uh, not me, it's we. You know, we all don't want to be recognized for our efforts, uh, but if if you just ignore that that thought process and just think about the the collective good uh, everyone will mm-hmm. get recognized at some point and i think if you, that's my philosophy anyway you know it's it's so important and it's a really a true sign of a great leader of any organization is if they think that way and i've learned that over time with so many guests i've had here on cars yeah and one that stands out and my regular listeners will remember him well from last year tim medvets uh, amazing guy. Our whole discussion went down this completely different path. He was a chopper builder to the stars. He dated Cher for four years. He was a hell's angel. I mean, he's a pretty rough and crazy kind of guy. And I don't want to give away his story because it's a really, really valuable story. But there was a point in his story where he said, when I realized my life was no longer the Tim show and it was about helping other people, that's when I became a happy person. And it's kind of the same thing that you're talking about here, and that is if we can figure out ways to help others and not expect anything back, that's how we achieve success, right? Well, a little bit of humility goes a long way. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I would love for you to talk and share more about Evans Cooling Systems with our guests here today, because I find your products really interesting. I've used your products. I think they're fantastic. Back when I was racing vintage cars, I was using your product to try to keep my uh, my old Lotus cool. 
So tell us what has you excited and fired up this year about Evans Cooling Systems. Well, Mark, as you said, ECS has been manufacturing high-end race fluids. We call them waterless engine coolants for almost 25 years now. Now, the formulations have changed and evolved over the years, but the formulation that we use today is very similar to what we developed 20 years ago. So we've we've spent our life in performance racing, and we've dabbled in heavy-duty trucking industry. And over the last couple of years, we've decided to focus most of our energy in what we call the toy market. And those are essentially collectibles, essentially vehicles that people really don't need, but it's their passion. It could be an ATV or snowmobile or pre-war vehicle. And one of the programs that I'm excited about most recently was is a possible relationship that we would have with, with Haggerty Insurance. Haggerty Insurance is the largest insurer of the collectible market. They're in the business of uh, protecting people's collectibles, and, and we're in, in a similar business. Uh, we, we always advertise that our product really protects the vehicle, um, for especially these collectible markets. These are vehicles that are typically stored for very long periods of time, which is probably one of the worst things for an automobile because the fluids inside a car, whether it's your motor oil, brake fluid, in this case, engine coolant, really are meant to be circulated continuously through daily operation. But if you have a classic car or a vintage motorcycle, you're typically not doing that. And so with our product, because it is waterless, it has a unique formulation that these the inhibitors that we do have in our formulation stay in suspension indefinitely. So that means if you have a classic museum-quality car or even just a vehicle that you love that you don't drive much, you put our fluid in there and it acts like a preservation tool. And you could store the car indefinitely and not have to worry about seeing corrosion from within. Mm, it's very interesting. Now, let me ask you this. I have a 15-year-old E46 M3. It was my daily driver for some years, and then when I started working from home here doing this podcast, the car sits, sadly. And I take it in for service every year just to do general fluid changes and things. But for a car, and they tease me because I go, Mark, what's wrong with you? This car's only been driven like 700 miles in the last year. And I went, I know. It's terrible, isn't it? So let me ask you this. What would be the best thing for me to do for that vehicle since it does sit a lot too much? Any vehicle, whether it's a whether it's a farm tractor, a motorcycle, these are liquid cooled machines. Certainly, a pre-war vehicle, or even a late model vehicle that you were just speaking about, Mark. If it's a system that has been that is sitting for a long time, what happens typically with water-based mixtures? Any antifreeze. I'm not going to pick pick on any particular brand, but any brand of antifreeze usually comprises of 50% water and 50% glycol and some inhibitors. But what happens is the water pump in your cooling system, whatever it is, your tractor, your bike, your car, is meant to agitate those inhibitors. Now, those inhibitors are put in there to protect against the corrosive nature of water. When those are not not being agitated, as the case is with a car that's not driven like yours very much, or let's say a pre-war vehicle that's sitting in a garage somewhere, those inhibitors drop out of solution, and what you're left with is very corrosive water. Because Evans is waterless, there aren't any there isn't any corrosive water in the fluid so you could park those vehicles a very long time so if you in the case of your car if you're not going to drive it the best way to preserve that from within is really to do the conversion is essentially you you'd be draining out your cooling system just like you would normally would if you were changing out your antifreeze this is a little bit more involved in that we sell a a prep fluid it's a it's a fluid that helps prepare the system to put the waterless coolant in so essentially you're going to flush the system get it up to temperature drain it 
and fill it up with the Evans Waterless product. Once it's filled up, you'll check for leaks, and that's about it. That's really all you need to do, and you have a lifetime of protection for this vehicle. You have anything for my uh, my older Porsche? Well, it's oil cooled, basically. <laughs> if, if if it's air cooled, <laughs> unfortunately, we don't. Many of the old Porsches are are air cooled, so um, I'm not. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. But uh, no, you're. At, uh, I'm, I'm, we certainly don't. Uh, and you know, just on a related note, if you look at a lot of military operations, and I was in the military for about 15 years, many of the equipment that they have, I'm talking about motor vehicle equipment, it's mothballed, and it's used for deployments. Same thing. There's a there's a readiness period, and the readiness period is not because they're not ready to ship those equipment to a disaster zone. It's because they have to take the equipment out, change the oil, the lubricants, the coolants, because those pieces of equipment may have been sitting there for a very long time, and they start to break down. So so that's the challenge with with vehicles that are not driven or stored for very long periods of time. And we just have, I, I think I may have mentioned this to to you before, but. I don't even use Evans in my daily driver because, quite frankly, water-based antifreeze does the job. I drive it enough. But for vehicles that are associated with the toy market and vehicles that aren't utilized a whole heck of a lot, this is really a, a very good product with, with regard to preserving those vehicles. Now, are there other products that you guys provide, or is that the primary product? We All we do, Mark, is engine cooling. So we do have various formulations depending on, on the application. We have a power sports coolant. That is used for ATVs, snowmobiles, side-by-sides, UTVs, dirt bikes. We have a high-performance coolant, which is typically used anything from pre-war vehicles to hot rods to light-duty diesels, muscle cars of the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, and so forth. And we have a heavy-duty formulation, which is typically used for large stationary engines and heavy-duty trucks. Uh, these are typically engines that have wet-sleeve liners. So, and we have a few ancillary products. We have a chemical flush for cleaning systems prior to using our product, and then what we call a prep fluid. And this this is a fluid that prepares the system and helps absorb the residual water from the previous fluid that you had in your whatever you you happen to be driving. Very cool. Well, aside from those listeners right that now that are typing emails to me saying, "For goodness' sake, Mark, get out, drive your car." Ah, I know, I know. I, I need to do more of that. I'm just. Uh, you know, you get you get stuck here and trying to provide everybody with some inspiring messages from some fantastic guests, but I do need to get out and drive a little more. I did some of that this weekend, so um, I will try to do that. But I like the concept of this. I think I might talk to my mechanic about uh, switching that over in the M3. I think that might be a good idea because that car does sit more than it should. And then if you ask my wife, whenever I do run errands, I always take her car. She goes, why do you always take my car? Your car's right there. Like, well, I'm preserving my car. You know, I love my car. I want it to be around for a long time. Okay. Thank you, dear. Yeah, can hear her talking right now. Well, let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. And by the way, I want to thank you for your service to our country. I know you were in the military for quite a while. Thank you very much for that. I want to talk about some of the roads you've driven down and have you discuss a big challenge you've faced or maybe even a failure along the way. Uh, the most important thing of this about this question, though, is, of course, what was the lesson learned? So walk us through that time and then tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum as you came out on the other side. Well, I, I've been, you know, I'm thinking about this question, and I think for me, this was about 20 years ago. I was not in the automotive industry, and I was working as a regional director for a large, uh, large freight service. And as part of one of my part of my responsibilities is I had to provide training 
and I would have to get up in front of large groups of people and essentially give a class on a particular subject. I was extremely scared, frightful of that because I, I never had done any public speaking. I remember talking to my boss about this. And I said, his name is Jim. And I said, Jim, I'm uh, I'm just not suited for that. I'm 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 a bit of an introvert. If you ask my mom, I've been qu- a very quiet kid my whole life. I'm just one-on-one conversations, but one against you know 200 or 300 individuals sitting in front of you looking for guidance from me. That's a little bit challenging. And uh, you know he understood, but he said, you know, this is part of your responsibility. You have to find ways to get around that. And so I went down. I thought about it, and I went down to a local community college, and I remember this, and I took. A drama class. And I remember as part of the drama class, you had to do a monologue. And so you'd have to rehearse whatever that was. I mean, David Letterman, folks like this, they, they would do a monologue every night, but it's a monologue and you would do it in front of all of the other drama students as well as the professor. I remember doing that uh, the whole semester and uh, I did many, many, many monologues. And the first were terrible and, and the other ones were much better. But one thing that it did help me is to calm my nerves because but the first time you get up there, you're shaking, you, you know, I started sweating. But the last time I got more and more comfortable, I felt more and more comfortable and I felt more confident that I could actually deliver something in front of people without you know, having a panic attack. And, and to this day, I'm still a little bit nervous, uh, if I'm being honest with myself about speaking in, in large groups, I still get a bit nervous. But that those exercises and, and the things that I learned from that drama class and working with the professor about public speaking is is really helped me today because I I have to provide training I do presentations uh, you know sometimes I'll be called out if we're approaching a large vehicle manufacturer and we have a technology I've got to I've got to present that technology to a team of engineers there who have a lot of questions and you have to be on your game otherwise you know if you if you don't can't understand something you can't convey that then you can't really sell that to them. So that those lessons that I learned in that drama class 20 years ago has really helped me today. So that's, if you're, if you're asking me, that's, that's the best story that I think that I could come up with. You know, it's a great story. And I commend you for taking that approach because most people say, oh, I'm going to go take a speaking class or maybe go to Toastmasters and get up in front of people or uh, anything like that. But to take a drama class, uh, to me, that's taking a whole nother step because I would assume during some of this, you have to become something you're not as well. Um, you know, instead of just speaking, you have to become a person, a personality or whatever it might be, which adds a whole nother dimension of challenge to that. I read once where people have a fear of speaking in front of large groups, even more so than death. How could you fear that more than death? But I understand I get invited to do keynote speeches in front of groups and the first time I did one, well, the first time I did this podcast, I was, I would say I was terrified, but I was very nervous because I wanted to do a good job. More importantly, I wanted to represent my guest really well. Uh, Rick Cole, Rick Cole Auctions was my first guest. And I remember that whole thing. I go back and listen to it now. I'm like, oh gosh, I was so bad. But the key thing you said there is you got to just practice it. It's seat time, like racing and just get out there and do it. And I think what most people will find if if anyone listening there is facing this challenge, Mark, you've given us an awesome idea there. Go take a local drama class because if you look at even some politicians, those that speak well and those that don't, uh, the ones that speak well are almost like acting. Maybe they are. <laughs> they probably are all acting, but uh, they get into that mode 
and it helps you quite a bit. Were there any things that you learned in that drama class that helped ease your nerves that you might share? Well, the only thing I could say is that the students, uh, the fellow students, my fellow students, they actually they would provide creative critiquing of, of, of whatever I was doing. If I was if I was acting in a, uh, in a particular skit or it was a, a particular interview that I was playing the interviewee, they would give me critique that would help me quite a bit. And the thing is, the best thing that they told me, I think probably the best thing is that the more prepared that you, you are on any particular subject matter, the easier time. So if you commit it to memory, in the, in the military, for example, we used to ask, why do, why do we need to train every day? Why do we train this way? Because even if you know whatever your, 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 his or his job is in the military, let's say you happen to know that in, in terms of intellectually know whatever task that you're given, that is not enough. It has to be instinctive. And so if you do something enough and if you in repetition, if you learn something enough, then when it comes to the time for you to act, to talk, to whatever that is, it becomes instinctive. And I have found, and I and I have found that you know I probably over prepare to a fault, but then I know whatever subject matter uh, I'm talking about down cold. I may not know it, to, you know, better than the, the people that I'm speaking to, but I know it as well as I can know it for my particular job. You know, you have, you have to be prepared. There's no substitute for hard work and preparation. For me, that's helped me. I can't speak to to other folks, but that works well for me. Some people are very good. Shooting off the hip, uh, I'm not that person. <laughs> I have to be as well, I can be. Yes, I'm the same way. And I have friends who are surgeons, friends who are pilots. And you think about the training, they have lifelong training. They're always training, always training for that what-if situation so they can just go into that savior mode because they've got jobs that are where lives are on the line. If you're getting up and speaking and you, you blow it, at least you didn't kill anybody. That's right. Boy, if something weird happens when you've got a brain cracked open, and you're trying to remove a tumor, uh, yeah, you need to be able to just react, same with an aircraft that has a problem. So seat time, there's a great tip from Mark. Let's take a short break, thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for the enthusiast and the collector. It's your monthly must-read whether you dream of owning a collector car have two cars or 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Plus, you'll get the exclusive SEM guide to restoration shops included for free. At checkout, use the code CARSYA and receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription. It's an exclusive offer from me here at Cars Yeah. I'm Mark Green, and I love Sports Car Market Magazine. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today, and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars yeah website at com. If you're listening to Cars yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? 
If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting, but what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. All right, Mark, we are back. I'd love for you to share a story with us that instigated a personal passion that you have for cars. Is there a moment in your life when you knew that you were a bit of a car guy? Well, I have to be honest. For most of my life, Mark, I've had jobs. If I'm being honest, the jobs I really didn't like much. Uh, They were jobs that paid the bills, supported my family, you know, whatever that was. And, you know, I fell into jobs and none of them that I actually chose. And then back, oh, probably in 2008, I owned a small business and the business was okay, but I wasn't very happy with it. And I was finding some some challenges within that business. And I ran into an elderly gentleman uh, at a coffee shop and we, and for whatever reason, we became fast friends. And he was, he was actually doing business development for the company I work for now. And he said to me, he says, what are you doing wasting your time doing something you don't love? And I said, well, because I need a paycheck. And he said, well, you know, you'll find a paycheck, but you have to, you know, you need to have a passion about what you're doing. So long story short is I decided not too long after that to sell my business and come work for these folks that I work for now for really no money, because at that time they had no money and they had other situations. They were raising money, capital to, to, to get the business going again. And eventually, you know, I started working for these folks. Now, I didn't know anything about cars other than I liked cars. Uh, and these folks, like I said, Evans Cooling Systems were, were essentially engine cooling system design folks. At that time, uh, they were doing work for General Motors and Ford designing cooling systems. And so they were always at racing venues. And so when I joined the company, we would attend shows. So there's a fam- famous racetrack not too far from where our corporate headquarters, Lime Rock Racetrack in Lakeville, Connecticut. And our office was right next to it. Matter of fact, the president of our company still lives his, uh, very, very, very close to that track. And so I got to see some of these beautiful cars. But the story that I can think of is the president and I were traveling out to visit a heavy-duty truck manufacturer out in Indiana. And uh, he is a he's a car enthusiast as well. And he said, I, Mark, I'd like to stop by the Auburn Duesenberg Cord Museum in Auburn, Indiana. And I said, OK, Tom. Uh, and so we we took a ride over and uh, and we went through the museum. And these cars were some of the most beautiful cars that I'd ever seen. And the craftsmanship and just uh, the smell of the inside, <laughs> inside of the cars just was just, you know, for me, it was just best thing I'd ever imagined in terms of a, a classic cars. And so when we got back to the office there, I started thinking about the classic cars and, and, and my job here. And I was thinking about to the to the to my friend Lloyd, who was the one who convinced me to come work there, who had passed away just not too long after that. 
and he and how right he was. And and so that was back in let's say January of 2009. And here we are. We're in the, you know we're in March of 2020. And when people, my friends ask me, they say, well, you have the coolest job. You attend drag racing and collectible, you know, large classic car shows. And, you know, where you're surrounded by some of the most beautiful cars, Pebble Beach and, and you know, Napa Valley Racetrack, things like that. And they're, they're right. It's a, it's a great job. It's a great industry to be in. The people are passionate about what they do. And, you know, so I, I feel very grateful. Now, I'm 55 years old and it took me until my my mid forties to find that passion, but uh, you know I'm very grateful for that opportunity, sir. Yeah, you found it. So welcome to the club. I'll say to you, which is pretty cool. You know, I've had two people from the Auburn Court Duesenberg Automobile Museum on the show: Brandon Anderson, who's their executive director, who was on the show pretty recently, and then Ethan Bowers, who's the archives manager. I've not had the pleasure of attending that museum, but it has spectacular, isn't it? I mean, just the building in itself is cool. And then you've got all those cool cars inside. Well, if you walk in, it's almost as is, I don't know when they shut it down, but let's say the 1930s or something. It is almost, it, it almost looks like it's a time capsule. When you walk in there, it is almost like they got off work that day, the factory workers, the executives, and then they never came back. They just, everything is just left the way it was. Right. And it's, it's, it's really pretty cool. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, is there a first special vehicle in your life that you'd like to share? Since you're a little, you're you're late to the party well, here, but you're at the party. <laughs> yeah, no, I did have, but you know, back in high school, I had a car that I bought myself. wasn't much to look at, but I had purchased a 1975 Trans Am, and uh, oh, well, and, that's pretty darn cool. Yeah, it was. Uh, it needed a lot of work. And, uh, but it was, you know, it's one of those cars where I would sit in it more than I would drive it, uh, cause, <laughs> cause it needed so much work. And then I was a kid that didn't have a lot of money other than my, I had a job certainly, but you know, it needed a lot of work. But anyway, it was, uh, I still think about that car and wish that I had it still. Yeah. Did it have, uh, the big Eagle on the front hood? It did. Oh, well, it was red go. with the big yellow Eagle on it. So that uh, was, wow. A- That's pretty darn cool. You surprised me with that. Saying that you know you weren't that much into cars back then, and then you end up with that. I mean, that's a pretty bold statement, right there. Let me just say, along with that, Mark, uh, I, I had that car, and then it became apparent after a short while that I couldn't afford to keep that car. So what I ended up with uh, was a 1975 Dodge Dart with a Slam Six. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, that's quite a quite a shift. <laughs> yes, it was. So my my cool rating amongst my friends dropped significantly. Yeah, the the girl dating uh, group just kind of diminished pretty darn most, quick. Most most definitely, but. most definitely. My my yeah. uh, the, the the slant six sounds like a, a washing machine uh, when it's running on spin. <laughs> I understand. Uh, my first car wasn't that special uh, for sure. Certainly wasn't a Trans Am, but uh, yeah, it was kind of just a plain Jane grandma car, as they call it. Well, how about this? If you woke up tomorrow and you were a vehicle, if you were actually manifest as a vehicle, what would you be and why? Uh, I think for me, a pickup truck, probably, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those, uh, I'm not flashy, but I, but I believe in a lot of hard work. And so I don't slow down much. If you ask my, my, my partner there and my kids, uh, they'll say the same, dad, you never sit down. And, uh, you know, I, I'd be a 19, I don't know, I'd be a 1980, Chevy 1500 work truck if I was a vehicle. I just, uh, you know, I just keep working and working. And uh, I might not find the most expedient route to accomplish what I want, but if, but through sheer will, 
Yeah. I just keep at it. And I think you'll keep at it. And so I think if for, I would consider myself a work truck. There you go. Oh, that's not bad at all. I'm going to upgrade you to, uh, my neighbor's car. He's got a Ford Raptor. So, uh, since you say you don't sit, you don't sit well, uh, he let me drive that thing a few times and that thing doesn't sit well. It likes to get up and go. So, uh, I'll up, I'll upgrade you to a Ford Raptor. How does that sound? Yeah. Very cool. All right. We're up to the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and have you give us some very quick blips of the throttle, that Raptor throttle or the pickup truck throttle answer. So here we go. What's one of your habits that you think has uh, helped you along the way, contributed to your success? Uh, sheer tenacity, Mark. Just uh, I yep. don't take no and I just keep going. There you go. How about if I could wave a magic wand and arrange for you to have a meal or a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased? Uh, the two brothers, the Tapper brothers from the Car Talk guys. Oh, yeah. Okay. Very cool. That's the first time anybody's mentioned that, which I'm really, really kind of surprised. That'd be fun. How about the best automotive advice someone else has given you that you could share? Be practical. Always take risk versus reward. I'll give you an example. My son's got a three BMW 3 Series uh, that I told him not to buy. Uh, He's in college now. Well, he's home from college because of the situation with the, the virus. But uh, that car is always in the shop, and I and I said, why don't you buy? This is back before he bought it. I said, why don't you buy something that's more practical? But you know, he's a young guy, and he wanted to buy something more sporty. So it's it's easy to say that, but you know, you have to risk versus reward. Be practical. Yeah, I, well, it is good advice. I'll tell you though, our son, his first car was a three twenty eight CI BMW two thousand one. That car was awesome. He had it all through high school. Drove it to school every day. Then. Then he went off to college, East Coast, but he'd come home in the summers and drive it. I drove it quite a bit because I like driving it. Uh, we sold it to a good friend of mine, and it's now his daughter's first car. So for that car, we had really good luck with that BMW. It, it, it just hardly ever broke at all, and it had quite a few miles on it when we sold it, but he, he put probably about 55,000 miles. So maybe we just got a good one or the time period. What year is your son's BMW? I believe it's 2005. And and don't get me wrong, the engine will probably last 300,000 miles. It's everything that, I mean, we, we didn't everything pay. Everything else. We, we didn't pay, I don't know, we may have paid $5,000 for the car, but he's probably spent double that <laughs> and and just re, and repairs over the last several years. Yeah, they can get pricey on those cars unless you're doing them yourselves. And even the parts are expensive, but uh, oh my goodness. Yeah, well, practicality, especially when you're young, is an important thing. How about a resource? Is there one that you'd like to share that's a good go-to for you? Well, I like Jay Leno's Garage. I'm always on his website. And I think the thing is with Jay Leno is that, you know, people are familiar with him as a radio, excuse me, as a television show host. Uh, But what people that maybe are not in the automobile collector's market might not realize about Jay is that he's an encyclopedia of knowledge, all things related to collectibles and so the products or the services that he features on his on his television program or his website are really useful i, I mean I've, i found the information to be very useful yeah he's great oh, i've wanted to get him on the show forever jay if you're listening call me please <laughs> one of these days i'll get him I've, I've talked to him many times on the lawn at pebble and he given him my card and I, it's not like he needs me to be famous that's for sure but i would love to have him on the show really look up to him and uh you know, the thing about him, too, I've met lots of celebrities. He's just such a nice person. Uh, he takes time. You watch him at a car show. He stops and says something nice to everyone who comes up to him. He takes time. I don't even know how he gets through a car show. He probably can't. 
because so many people come up and want to make sure and want to say hello. But well, I tell you, just a quick Jay Leno story if you want to hear it. Yeah. So many years ago, maybe five years ago, we had heard that Jay had was using our product, and but you know, so our marketing director reached out to one of his contacts at his garage. I think he's out in Santa Barbara somewhere. And they said, yeah, we're using it, and we, you know, could could we do something to promote it? And certainly, we're a small company, so we couldn't afford that kind of sponsorship. But they essentially invited us to come out to the garage. Uh, now, our marketing director went out there, and he gets out there, and Jay's got a few camera folks there, and he and he said, okay, we're going to start rolling. So Jay comes in, you know, with a denim shirt, says, hi, I'm Jay, and this is what we're going to do. And they did this, I don't know, maybe a 20-minute video on why he likes Evans Coolant, why he puts it in all of wow. in his cars. And so when people see that today, still they said, well, that must have cost you a fortune to do that. And, and not really. I mean, a matter of fact, Jay even bought the product. We, we didn't give him the product. He couldn't have been <laughs> wow. nicer. And, and, and the reason is because it was a product that he actually uses. So, so that told me the products that he recommends on his website or his television program are products that not only does he like, but he uses them personally. And so, and honestly, he couldn't have been nicer. He couldn't have been nicer. And we're, we're grateful uh, that he uses the product and we're grateful that he talks about it on occasion. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, he's a tribute to what you see is what you get. He is a great guy. Definitely knows a lot about cars too. And has an incredible collection. How about a book? Is there a book you'd like to share that you've read? The old car nut book. Uh, I think it's by David Dickinson. Yeah, David is uh he lives up here in the northwest. He's about ten minutes away from my house. I've actually uh been featured in one of his books, which oh. is kinda cool. Well, I like yeah. it because it's it's it has the you can have this avid collector that may own two hundred automobiles or down to this one individual who has an old car in his barn. So there's stories about why why people are passionate about his or her car in terms of if they have if they have one car or if they have a hundred cars. I, so I, I thought well, I read that. It was one of the few books <laughs> that I've read about as it relates to automobile enthusiasm. Yeah, David's an old hot rodder uh, from the Pacific Northwest. He's a great guy. I met him uh, years ago, and he's done a series of books. I think there's four or five. There might be more. I'm sorry, David, if I messed that up. Uh, I'll put a link to that book on Mark Stone's show notes page, so you can, or to all of his books, actually. Yeah, I was very uh, humbled when he asked me to write a story uh, for one of his books. Uh, it was about a trip my son and I took in a car that I bought, 1,408-mile road trip. We drove back up the coast, uh, west coast, in a little car that had no top, no heater, no radio. Uh it was a really fun trip, for sure. Well, we're up to the checkered flag here, Mark, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you a collector car today, anything in the world. Something fun for you to go out and enjoy. But there are a few rules. One is it's the only collector car you can have. I want you to drive it, so don't just park it and admire it. I want you to go and have some fun. And you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with or finish off paying your son's college with that car. You need to keep it and enjoy it. So that little trick's off the table. What can I buy you today? Well, it's funny that you say that, Mark, because... Uh, about six months ago, I sent my son an email, and my son is a finance major. And I said, uh-huh. "I said, Ben, when you become a successful stockbroker someday, and I sent him a link, this is the car that I'm interested in. And it's <laughs> a 1973 Jaguar E-Type Roadster. And I just, uh-huh. for whatever reason, I think it's one of the most beautiful cars ever built. Uh, the, uh, just the lines, you know, I've sat in one before. I've never driven one. Uh, but, uh, uh-huh. but... If you're asking me uh, which car I would buy, there's no with all the money in the world that uh, you know that's the car that I would buy. 
Well, you picked something near and dear to my heart because that's probably the second car that set off my passion for cars. The MGTC would be the first because my dad had one of those cars. So that became uh, pretty important to me. But my first matchbox by Lesney was, was not the Roadster, but the Coupe, but it was a Jaguar XKEE type. But the 73 is really fascinating to me because when I was a kid, I had a detailing business. And one of my clients had a 72 with the V12 in it. Now, those are the Series 3 cars. So that's as things had evolved. And some of the purists like the Series 1. They're a lot more raw and they don't have the big V12. But I got to ride my bike down to South Mission from La Jolla, California, and drive his car back to my house and detail it. It's just so delightful. It was so cool. I was a you know 16, 17-year-old kid to see that big hood in front of me and hear the V12 engine. And the only thing I didn't like about that car was cleaning those wire wheels. It took me forever. I'd take shoelaces and dip them in soapy water and wrap them around each little wire and go back and forth. And that's why he always tipped me well. He goes, I don't know how you get these wheels so clean, but my goodness. And I said, well, that's why I had your car for five hours. You picked a pretty darn nice car. I'd I'd be thrilled to drive one of those back there to Connecticut and park that in your garage. That would be pretty darn nice. So, uh, yeah, Sonny Boy, get to work. Finish your college so you can buy Dad that E-Type because he deserves it. Yeah, that's very nice. Mark, you've taken me on a fun ride today, a very cool ride today because we've kept the cooling system cool in our cars today. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. Before I let you go, could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the beautiful hills in that beautiful E-Type Jaguar? Well, uh, I I was thinking about this, and the only thing I can say is that my son, about six months ago, was asking me this question about something to the effect, hey, Dad, how do you know when something's right or if it's not right? And so I had thought about it. I wanted to say something really profound, and uh, I don't know if this is profound, but this is what I had come up with. I said, we all have this unique voice. Uh, Some people call it your navigational compass, some people call your conscience, and some some people even say it's uh, it could be God speaking to you. And I said to him, I said, just realize that that voice is unique to you, and it your voice is your voice, and it's not the same as your dad or your siblings, and so you have to trust that voice. Furthermore, it's always been my experience when I've ignored that voice, it's typically not a good decision. And here's the trick. When you're sitting across the table or across the aisle, especially in today's uh, heavily partisan politics, you don't know if the person sitting across from you is listening to their, her, his or her voice or ignoring their voice. So the only thing you can do is to give them the benefit of the doubt. And, and I think if, if you looked at life, at least uh, that's how I look at it, if everyone looked at life a little bit like that, there might be a little bit more harmony in, in daily living. And I've tried to apply this to relationships, religion, whatever that is, and that we have to trust that internal voice and try to listen to that voice. And that voice, if it's if it's right for you, it's right for you. Yeah, yeah, very well said. It's uh, very appropriate as well. And I know for myself too. Whenever I've ignored that voice or that gut feeling, whatever it might be, typically it's ended up not so good. Listen to that voice wherever it comes from. Uh, it's true, true to you. Very well said. How can people find out more about Evans Cooling Systems? Well, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, certainly, but uh, you can visit it. We've got a fantastic website. It's very interactive, friendly. It's uh, www.evanscoolant.com. 
And there's a lot of great information. We have many, many videos on YouTube on how to do Evans conversions from motorcycles to we've done Ferraris, we've done heavy-duty trucks. So there's a lot of great information out there, and I would invite all of your listeners. And certainly, we also have a tech line. You can email us or call us. If you if you have a, a an engine build or a classic car restoration that you have questions about as it relates to cooling systems, we're data purists. That's what we do in terms of cooling systems. There's nothing that we haven't heard, and we invite anyone to give us a call, even if you want to just chat. We're, if you don't want to buy the product, that's fine. We're happy to help you with your project anyway. Very cool. I'll make sure I put a link to those on Mark's show notes page. Just go to carsyeah.com, type in Mark Stone, and that page will pop up. I would encourage you. I've used this product, and it works really, really well. Like I said, I used it on a race car. I think I'm going to start using it in my street car, too. Uh, But again, those of you writing me emails saying, drive more, Mark, I get it. I know. I will do my best. Hey, thanks for spending some time with us today, Mark Stone, for your expertise and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks again, Mark. You're welcome. Hey, Cars Yeah! listeners. This is Mark Green. If you love the Cars Yeah! podcast, I have something new for you. I've teamed up with Keith Martin, a collector car market expert and the editor of Sports Car Market Magazine to create the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast. Buy, Sell, Hold is the essence of collecting. Together, we take you on an educational ride into the collector car market, talking with industry experts, helping you navigate your collector car journey so you know when to buy, sell, hold. We talk with seasoned experts who buy, sell, and hold investment vehicles, and they'll share their insider secrets on how they make their buying decisions when it comes to making these important investments. You'll find the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast on the Cars yeah! website, on the Sports Car Market website, and if you're a podcast app subscriber to Cars yeah! Buy, Sell, Hold will come right to your mobile device, just like the Cars yeah! podcast, automatically. Join Keith Martin and me on a great new venture on the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah. Yeah.